Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to the table, uh, you long timers and you uh, newcomers. Welcome. Really, really glad that you're here. Um, so I've been uh, I've been kind of starting um, my last few messages with a little story from the week, and I don't have any soccer stories this week, um, but I do have one from just my house. My house is crazy. So I live with ten people uh, plus me, so eleven. And um, total, so it's my brother and sister-in-law, their family lives on the top floor, and we live like two-story, and then my family, um, the five of us live on the bottom floor. So I've got, you know, it's a lot of kids, seven kids. So this week, um, my niece, Shiloh, is her name. Some of you know her. She's super sweet, but she is two, and she's in that season. And she's kind of combined that with a little bit of a personality. She's sassy. And, and she's tough, she's real tough. So I did get Mindy's permission to share this story because I thought it was hilarious. So this week on like Tuesday, it was nap time. So earlier, a little backstory um, is that uh, Judah, her brother, recently showed her how to get out of her crib. And which was, a, that was a game changer, y'all. It was no good, like bad game changer. Um, because yeah, now she, she can escape. So, she, so poor Mindy is trying to put her down, and, and Shiloh would not stay in her crib. It's the classic, you know, like, okay, you know, kind of threats, you know, of like, hey, oh, oh, we lose me? You okay? Um, so, uh, here, I'll, I got this. No? Okay. I trust you, buddy. Um, so she won't stay in her, in her crib, and uh, Mindy's like, starts, you know, threatening, like, hey, don't do this again. Shiloh's like, okay, I promise. So, she gets in, 20 seconds, I mean, it's not long. It's not like she's staying in for 10 minutes. And, no, it's like 20 seconds, she's back out. So what Mindy decides to do is to threaten her by taking things out of her room. Things that she values, you know? So she starts with like high value things, which is a good strategy. And so like a blankie, uh, and she says, I'm gonna take your, your blankie, your night night. And Shiloh's like, no, 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 don't do that. And she goes, well, you know, stay in your crib. So 20 seconds later, she's out. So out goes the blankie and she puts her back and then says, okay, uh, stay, or else I'm gonna take your pillows. And she was like, oh, I know I like my pillows. Okay, well then, don't, and 20 seconds later, she's out. And this keeps happening. So before you know it, y'all, no joke, there is a pile of things, that, like maybe that's a little exaggerated. I mean, it's like up to here, a pile of pillows, night nights, all of her, right, it was all of her stuffed animals. I mean, everything is gone. So finally, Mindy comes in, this is like classic two-year-old parenting, and she walks in and she's like, she's looking around, it's like the room is empty. Like, there's nothing. And she looks at Shiloh, and she's like, what? The, like, stay. And so she doesn't. Shiloh gets out again, and she walks in. She doesn't know what to take. And literally, this is what happens. Shiloh goes, lamp. You can take the lamp. Like, unbelievable. Like, who is this kid? Lamp. Take it. I'm not even sad. Tough. So pray for the Runnels. Pray for them. They're going through it. So that's my house. So our, uh, we're in a series right now titled Prayer, Learning to Pray Like Jesus. And uh, we've basically been covering, well, as you just heard, the Lord's Prayer from, it's, uh, as it's commonly found in Matthew chapter 6. There's a little bit different variant in Luke um, 11. And so we've been in the Matthew 6 version. And so we're just kind of walking through it. So tonight, this is going to be our last message in this series. And the title of my message is Debtors. And I've taken, this is a translation from a theologian uh, named David Bentley Hart. And his um, kind of idea was he wanted to try to get back to um, a little bit of like a more literal rough translation of it. Like, so that we can kind of hear it how first century listeners, like the original audience might have heard it. So this is uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 12. It says, and grant us relief from our debts to the very degree that we grant relief to those 
uh, who are indebted to us. Uh, that's a, very similar to maybe a translation you've heard, you know, the classic, forgive us our debts uh, as we forgive our debtors. And, uh, but there are, right, different variations of this. Maybe you've heard uh, the ones that the kids kind of played on. It was the, the around, around sins, forgive us our sins, you know, as we forgive those who sin against us. There's other, another version, it's like trespasses. Um, I don't totally know what that's getting at. I guess maybe the idea of you trespass upon someone's life, maybe. It's sort of like the sin thing. Um, but, right, you get all these sort of variants and versions, and it's a little bit strange. Like, what's the deal? Like, what's up with all these versions? I mean, shouldn't it be like the Lord's Prayer is like, it's the prayer. It's not like the three different variants of it. And we actually had this moment um, last week in kids' ministry. Maggie was, right, working with the kids, teaching them, like, helping them memorize the prayer. And they were memorizing the debt-debtor language. And uh, the thing is, my little girl who was standing like right here, Eve, she's one right in the middle just a few minutes ago, and she heard this debt and debtor, like Maggie's, you know, go walking her through our fathers in heaven, only be your neck, and come, da, 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 and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Eve's like, what? That, no, that's not how the prayer goes. And because the thing is, I've been praying this prayer like to them, you know, late at night for years. And when they were little, I didn't think they'd understand the whole debt debtor, you know, with three-year-olds, like, forgive us our debts, you know, I'm like, what? So I've, did, I've always done the sins thing. So Eve hears this. That's I me. Mean, that's the only version she knows. All of a sudden, she's like, you're changing it? She's like, you can't change the prayer, mom. And, and then she just, the line she drops, she goes, you know, dad's the pastor. <laughs> so how he says the prayer, that's how it should go. You know, and uh, I mean, it's ridiculous, of course, but, but it does sort of bring up the question, right, of like, well, what's the thing? Like, what's the version? What's the, why, why all this confusion? And I want to just make it really clear that I do think the, the, probably the most kind of literal level is the language of debt. Uh, the Greek word here is ophelema, and it means that which is owed, debt. So that's kind of the, the most rough and ready version is, is that, ophelema. Um, now, of course, so you can see where this concept like sort of morphs a little bit because like the concept of sin, for one thing, it's talking about um, something like it's mentioning God. And so you can kind of see this idea of like, well, you know, when you sin against someone, you kind of owe them, right? And then when they forgive, we even use this language, like they, I forgave the debt or I forgave them for the wrong thing. And you can see how these concepts, right, kind of all bleed a little bit into one another. So I'm not saying that, you know, sin, well, that's just the wrong translation or something. It's, you can see where the ideas are connected, in other words. But the actual language, it really is uh, the language of uh, debt. And, and I think what this does, what this might change, you might be like, who cares, bro? Like, what, what does it matter? Well, this is why I think it matters is it's a similar problem as we had last week. If you were here last week, we uh, touched on the, um, the line, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about how we tend to kind of um, abstract a little bit from that, you know, by the idea of, oh, daily bread, um, kind of like you, the needs in your life. And, you know, before you know it, we're praying, like, this is the moment in the prayer when I'm going to pray for my va upcoming vacation that I hope goes really good. You know, it's sort of like, that's my daily bread. And you can see how we're kind of abstracting when really, when the first century listeners, the people hearing Jesus, they were like, no, this is literal. God, oh God, feed me today. And so my point last week was, I think we might miss something 
in that kind of abstracting, that kind of movement, trying to make it kind of applicable to our lives. And I think something similar can happen with this language of uh, debt and debtors. Um, okay, so what's the deal? Like, how did debt, what is all this language? Debt, debtors, why is Jesus praying this in the prayer? I mean, he's teaching his disciples a prayer. And of all things, it's this language of debt and forgiving debts and forgiving others their debts. So what, what was going on back then such that this language actually like made sense? So I want to unpack this a little bit. Um, this will get a little bit nerdy. Hopefully, are y'all ready for a little bit of nerdy? Maybe some of you? Okay. I think it'll be interesting. So this is, um, there's, there's a book by a guy named David Graeber. He's an anthropologist, super nerdy. And, uh, and he wrote a book titled Debt, the First 5,000 Years. And basically, he gives a history of debt. Like, where does this come from? Since when did human cultures right, start getting money? And then like, well, I'll pay you some later. Okay, well, then you owe me more. You can't just pay me back, like, the amount. But I need, like, more. And, you know, credit, debt, owing each other. Like, how did all this which even sort of brings up the broader question of how did money happen? Like, where did this come from? I had that conversation with my daughter uh, like a year ago. She's like, you know what I think is, is evil? Money. And I was like, what? And she's like, think about it. Like, it just, it ruins the world. And, uh, and that's an interesting thought, right? I mean, I'm kind of, I tried to like reason with her. Like, well, but I mean, in ways, isn't it helpful? And she's like, no, it's bad. So you can see, right, it is a sort of interesting thing. Like, it's, it's one of those things that's so close to us, we can't even see it anymore. Right? We can't imagine a world without money. Like, what? But, I mean, but there was a thing, right? There was a time before money. A time, and, and so what Graeber does is he goes back and gives kind of this, this history. And what he points out is something I had no idea about, is that the great religions of the world, the, the most popular ones, like I'm thinking Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Judaism, Islam, later, uh, a few hundred years later, Christianity, uh, that they really came about, they really rose, um, as, this is his quote, um, as peace movements against money systems and credit systems. Uh, and this is why, if you've ever read the like, words of Jesus, he's not super hip on money. Have you ever noticed this? Like, it's sort of, <laughs> I mean, for modern people, it's quite uncomfortable. Like, what are you, you Marxist Jesus? You know, or like, what is, what's the thing, or whatever. Uh, I mean, okay, Marxists are fine with money, but anyway. Um, <laughs> So these, here's a few, these are a few quotes from Jesus, for example, just to give you an example. Uh, he says, It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. So that's pretty, like, whoa. The odds don't seem good. Uh, or here's another one. This is Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. Uh, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh, Again, you can see these aren't exactly like glowing endorsements of money and the rich and the pursuit of money and, um, and all of that. So, uh, so here's what Graeber points out in his book, is he gives a history of money and of debt. And he says, here's the usual story. This is how we're commonly, like if someone, uh, even like economics textbooks and things, will often tell this story about money when you think, well, how did this happen? Right? Answering my daughter Eve's question, ah, how did money happen? And here's the, the common story that you'll hear. Uh, it goes something like this. So way back in the day, a couple thousand years ago, my friend Joe, he's got a cow. And I really need, I, I need that cow. And so I say, Joe, I will give you 30 chickens for that cow, my friend. And he says, hmm, I don't really want chickens. Huh, that's too bad. I wish there was like some 
medium of exchange, something value, something we both want that's valuable, but like that could be preserved and doesn't go bad. Hmm. We need like some sort of precious metal, and maybe we could like stamp it in circles, and like you know, so it's sort of equal weights and values. And and we'll, what if we did that? And we'll call them shillings. And that you can see where, in other words, what we commonly think the story goes that you go from. Uh, bartering, right? I'll give you 30 chickens for one cow, or no, I want, I don't know, acorns. Maybe do people eat acorns? Is that a thing? Uh, you know, so like, right, it's just like bartering, that gets a little clunky. I don't always want the thing that you have. You know, chickens are so annoying. And so you get the rise of money, and then eventually from money, you get the idea of credit and debt. Right, so hey, I don't have all 30 shillings right now. How about I give you five and then 25 later? But then, you know, interest and all that, right? So, this is the common story. Hang with me, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, Graeber points out that this, um, the only problem with this story is that it's wrong. Like, there's no actual study of early human cultures that says, yep, that's how it happened. Uh, instead, he gives a slightly different version. Uh, and this is how money happened. Uh, you had me and Joe, and Joe's my friend, right? It's, this is like when human culture was mostly tribal, small villages of 100 people or less. So, you know, Joe and I, we'd grown up together, like, maybe not best friends, but we know each other. And I say, Joe, that's a fabulous cow. He says, oh, thank you. I say, no, I'm serious, Joe. Like, big eyes, good teeth, hooves, <laughs> bushy tail. I don't know. Do they have, cows have tails, right? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, all right, so that's a fabulous cow. And he says, well, you know what? Uh, now, here's the thing. He can tell, right, he can, he's kind of getting the hint. Because what am I really, like, I'm not saying it, but I keep complimenting the cow. And what am I asking Joe without really coming out and saying it? I'm like, Joe, I need that cow. Please give me that cow. Right, that's what I'm saying. So Joe, you know, he's a good guy. He kind of picks up on this. And he says, ah, you know what, Brett, go ahead. It's yours. You can have it. And I say, oh, what? Really? No. No, Joe, you don't have to do that. And he says, no, no, I insist. It's a gift. Go ahead. Take it. Now, the thing is, uh, Joe and I both know it's not totally a gift, is it? Like, what, what just happened? Do I kind of owe Joe one? You bet it. Like, dude, he just gave me a whole cow. Right? So this, and he, so this is what Graeber points out. He says, actually, it's, it's the concept of credit and debt that comes first, before money. It's the sense, he says, in fact, this is so, such a genius insight. He says, you know, even a community like this that tends to not so much function on like a money system, he says, what's a community? It's a bunch of people who owe each other one. I thought that's such an interesting way to think of community, you know, like, you come, like I recently asked Cody, uh, uh, Clark, to come help me fix my mower, because I suck at that kind of thing. And you know, like, it's, he's there for me, right? And he didn't say, well, bro, how much are you gonna pay me? <laughs> you know, like, it's because we're friends and family, and so he's, but is the truth, like, do I kinda owe Cody, like, yeah, such that if he comes back later and asks me to help him, like, I don't know, with something, then, right, I'm supposed to say yes. I don't know, I'm trying to think of what he'd actually want my help with, like, bro, I really need this help exegeting this scripture. Maybe then he's like, yes, that's it. Um, right, but it's kind of, right, and this is community. And, and what Graeber points out, he says, you know, when there's um, vast equality, this tends to work pretty good. That, you know, everyone sort of owes everyone, and then maybe at the end of the year, we have, um, 
Graeber points this out, there's even cultures like where at the end of the year they literally come together, everyone comes together, and I owe Cody, and Cody owes Juanita, but Juanita owes me, and so we just kind of reckon all the debt and just kind of get it all paid off. And he points out this works fine, like when you're talking about vast inequality. Um, the trouble happens, uh, to make a long history very short, is that you get eventually, not so much just little tribes where everyone knows each other, but you get vast empires, kings, kingdoms, uh, and quickly you get vast social inequality. In other words, there's really rich folks, people who own it all and people who don't own much, and this becomes a tremendous problem, which leads us all the way back to Jesus and his social context. Because if you know anything about the first century, uh, the Romans conquered Jerusalem and the Jewish people. Jesus was, of course, Jewish. So uh, what you have is this conquering army. They come in, they conquer, and they say, you all owe us, you can hear the language of owe, taxes. Say, why? Well, because we didn't kill you. <laughs> So you owe us one. Say, all of us? Yes, all of you owe us one. Well, how long? Like, when do we pay it off? <laughs> That's not how it works. Pay it off forever. <laughs> and, and Graeber points out that this is what happened uh, in human cultures. You get empires conquering people, and this leads to the rise of what we'll call debt servitude. Uh, this is not just, you know, social equals owing each other one or owing each other a few bucks. This is where people, um, I mean, it got really ugly. Like, for example, with the, the Jewish people, they had such steep taxes that at times they couldn't pay. And they say, well, that's okay. Um, you can just sell off your children as slaves, help pay it back. Uh, or then maybe a few years go by and I struggle to pay taxes again. And they say, well, that's okay. How about we'll take over your land, you still work it, but we own it. Well, how long? Well, forever. And you can see what happened is this incredible, vast social inequality. And so when Jesus comes to his disciples and they say, teach us to pray, and he says, when you pray, pray like this, and he goes through the prayer, and then he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Where we often go, right, is, like I said earlier, kind of to, oh, it's sort of forgiveness and sins and things, which, yes, you can get that from the text, but at its most literal, like what those first century Jewish peasants were hearing was not probably a prayer about, like, forgive all the bad things I've done, but what they hear is, oh, God, deliver us from the crushing obligation of financial debt in servitude. God, deliver us from injustice. In fact, David Bentley Hart, the guy who did the translation earlier that we read, um, he names that even the language later, if you'll remember the prayer, um, see in heaven, I have to almost go through the prayer to remember it. So, um, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Other translations say the evil one. Hart translates it the evil man. He thinks this connects back to this language, that it's the oppressor. It's, it's the person who's um, basically exploiting others in, a form, in forms of like predatory lending. And, and I think this is what's so fascinating about this prayer, right, is there's these layers and levels to it. 
And, and this, again, points to the fact that this is a prayer, first and foremost, of and for the poor. Right? God, remove from us the crushing burden of financial obligation under which his listeners, like this is the system under which they, they lived and suffered and died. And so I've been thinking all week, like what's the, how does this translate to our day? What, what might this mean um, for us? And I want to give you three takeaways um, tonight, uh, just to kind of translate into your life. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, um, I think we got to understand the concepts of debt and sin and guilt are deeply all sort of intertwined in our minds. They're all like connected, which is why even to this day, um, the idea of someone not paying their debts, and they don't even inquire into the circumstances behind the debt. It's just someone doesn't pay their debts. That's just evil and wrong, and you're morally corrupt. And this is why even politically, this is like a hot button thing. You know, the idea of maybe not paying debts, or it's just people don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. And, and this is some of why. It's highly emotional, because um, it's about money and owing and sin and guilt. And I mean, it's all a little bit, it's just sort of a, a tangled moral, ethical mess. All right, so that's first. Um, second, predatory lending is very old and yet ever new. Uh, when, I mean, honestly, um, I mean, when I look at today, things like um, even credit cards with that fine print and those outrageous, um, some of you are suffering under that right now, of those interest rates that just whoop, and until so you literally spend your whole life just trying to pay off the principal. I mean, never get to like the rest, right? And, uh, or I think of, um, payday loans, um, this is primarily in like poor areas, right? Payday loans that target uh, folks, basically minimum wage, and, and it's um, someone who's desperate for cash, right? Takes that paycheck, gets um, instant cash, and all of a sudden, again, the interest rates, the, it, it's, it becomes this sort of a modern day debt servitude. Um, even variable rate mortgages, Right, that could sort of prey on the unsuspecting and don't quite know what they're getting into and just think, oh, that's my interest rate? Awesome. Well, not exactly. See, it can kind of blow up to whatever we want it to be. And all of a sudden, again, you can see where this stuff gets out of control. Uh, and I think what this points to, I'm not trying to make some statement about, oh, rich people are just terrible. Right? What I'm naming is, uh, predatory lending. It is, uh, it's an evil. And Jesus opposed it. And, uh, and I think that's what's so interesting about this prayer, right, is when we kind of spiritualize it, which again isn't bad, it just we can start to sort of distance ourselves from the social and even political implications of Jesus and his teachings and, and kind of what he uh, thought in ways that um, it, it might sort of, I don't know, create a tension in us or get us like, well, geez, what, what does this mean for my life, right? Um, third, uh, lend freely, um, understanding that it's a gift. Um, you see, when we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, it's really so much more than like a spiritual feel-good moment, you know, kumbaya, let's all forgive everyone. And really, um, it's a social prayer, 
And it's a moment where we're not only praying sort of against um, predatory lending um, out there, as though the evil's just out there somewhere, but also, oh God, would you um, protect my heart uh, from becoming the very person that you speak against? Right? It's not just the evil, the external evil outside the walls. Um, and then it would be easy, right, for us to sort of, oh, those people are terrible. How could they prey upon the poor? <laughs> you know, and then um, our friend or family owes us 100 bucks or more, and all of a sudden it's, <laughs> right? And this is, I mean, I think, honestly, this is where Christianity and following Jesus, it starts to, I call it having teeth, right? It starts to actually sort of, means something in our hearts and minds, how we live, and even how we handle our money, uh, which I think is, um, and this is where the, the rubber meets the road in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And so really, my prayer for all of us is that we would be a people marked by generosity and kindness and compassion, and uh, that when uh, we engage with people. We would prioritize the relationship. I, um, I've, in fact, I've even heard of folks who say, when you lend to friend or family, always consider it a gift. Oh, I just start there. That's the assumption. Because when you start going to, like, it goes so poorly. And so I want us as people, I want us as a church community to be, like, marked, known by that generosity of spirit. Um, that kindness, that compassion. And also, let's not be too quick to judge others about their debts. Because um, we don't always know the story behind it. We don't always know the fine print that they missed. Right? This gets back into point number one, where these concepts become very, it's just easy to guilt trip people. <laughs> and let's become uh, wise about this. Let's defend the cause of the poor. And let's be a church community that's wise as serpents about the way that debt functions in our world. Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Let me pray over us. Lord Jesus, um, I, I just, I thank you that, I thank you for the ways that you challenge me, us, for the ways that your word just continues to speak and reverberate and resonate and, um, and call us to account. And so, God, right now, we all just say yes. We just say yes to your will, your ways. God, would you help us to somehow navigate our money well, to, to somehow learn, God, how to lend to him who asks and to do it with kindness, generosity, freedom. So, Lord, we love you. Show us your ways. Help us to be obedient, faithful disciples. It's in the life-changing name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.